0: Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com The Roxy Theater is San Francisco's favorite nonprofit art house cinema, bringing you the best, coolest, weirdest, most thought-provoking movies of the past, present, and future. Hands down, there is no better way to get your fix than at this legendary.
3: Has anybody seen the choir? I want to freaks to the converted see them rising up don't want to see one gaze of bird. Point
4: Welcome to Women's Magazine. Thank you for tuning in to MutinyRadio.fm today, broadcasting live from the Mission District, 21st in Florida every Friday afternoon, streaming around the planet on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm really happy to be here today. Happy June 1st, everybody. It's 2018, coming up next week. Tuesday is June 5th, and that means that we are having an election here in California and in San Francisco. I've been doing Global Vows election season coverage for well since december so december january about half of half a year already folks so i'm really happy to be be able to do this here in san francisco um in order to invite the voices of people who are in the know and who are trying to make a difference in the world and give uh, give people a platform a free speech platform on mutiny radio in order to uh Get get the ideas out to generate more ideas to inspire people. Um, we just heard that music from Emma's Revolution. That was her song called "The Choir." Um, I don't really think I'm necessarily preaching to the choir, but there are a lot of shared values we do have here in San Francisco. Um, but they're not as you know cut and dry as some might think. Uh, it's definitely a very nuanced uh, type of place, and uh, I. We we could only hope for so much because it shows that people are thinking, people care, and uh, we coordinate our ideas in in a variety of of ways, myriad of ways. So it is great to be here. And um, so on, Women's Magazine magazine today. I have two guests. In just a couple minutes, we're going to be getting a call from Deb Callahan. She is the executive director of the um, Bay Area. let me say the Bay Area Outdoors. <laughs> Hold on, I had my notes. Where'd they go? Let me, I don't want to misspeak here. She is the executive director of the Bay Area Open Space Council, and she's going to be calling in to talk to us about Proposition 68, which is a big California proposition uh, to, for clean, safe water. So um, I'm going to play you a little song, from Remember the Revolution, kind of about our planet. peaceful now and
3: forevermore, peaceful at the surface and peaceful at the core. All the joy within my heart would be so free to soar. And we're living on a living planet circling a living star. I don't know where we're going, but I know we're going far. We can change the universe by being who we are. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. And if all the world know justice now and forevermore, justice at the surface and justice at the core, all the joy within my heart would be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going But I know we're going far We can change the universe By being who we are and we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. And if all the world know freedom now and forevermore, freedom at the surface and freedom at the core, We'd be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going But I know we're going far We can change the universe By being who we are And we're living
4: on a living are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Valley Barra. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're still covering election season. The election on June 5th is coming up on Tuesday. If you have failed for some reason to register to vote or update your voter registration, this is the first time in California where you can go to your um, central elections office in your county and actually register and vote on the day of the election. So don't be discouraged, folks. You can do it even if you think you already missed the deadline. There are some options, especially here in San Francisco. You could go to City Hall on June 5th and let them know. So I would really like to uh, welcome. My first guest today, Deb Callahan. She's the executive director of the Bay Area Open Space Council, and she's called in to let us know about Proposition 68, which is on the California ballot. And uh, Proposition 68 um, offers to protect our state water sources and water quality, um, quality um, preserve our coastlines, restore our forests, expand access to parks and open spaces, and prepare California for the futures of climate change. But the um, those are just the uh, buzzwords, but um, Deb Callahan, thank you for joining me on Women's Magazine today. My welcome.
5: pleasure. Thank you for having me.
4: Absolutely, we're, I'm always happy to, to welcome guests who have the, the, the in-depth knowledge of, of what's going on. So, um, so tell us about Proposition 68. How does uh, those were kind of the overview, but maybe you could give us some more mm-hmm. examples of some of the projects that it, 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 it wants to achieve, accomplish.
5: Sure. Well, you know, this is a really exciting opportunity for Californians and specifically for the Bay Area. Um it's been um over I think 16 years since the last park bond here in this state. And so well, particularly those of us who live in the Bay Area look around and you see this, you know, we're ringed by these gorgeous green and gold hills and the bay is at our feet. And these are amazing resources. And, you know, you have to sometimes you have to invest to make sure that they're maintained and that parks are maintained and that park poor communities have places for kids to play and for families to picnic. We have to, you know, pay for infrastructure, for safe, clean drinking water and for water in rivers and streams for fish and just to maintain the ecosystem, all of these things. Things. And, and you know, sometimes I think you can look at these beautiful places and these important resources and say, they're there. They're not going anywhere. They're not getting up and walking away. But in fact, you do have to invest to, to maintain these amazing resources. This bond, the, the funding through the last bond has just about completely run dry. And so we are desperate for more funding to invest in parks and water. And that's what this bond is, Um so specifically, it's a 4.1 billion dollar bond, and that sounds like a lot of money, um, and it is a lot of money. But in the scheme of things, it's a it's a pretty reasonable size bond. In fact, we've even gotten some Republican support. Um, uh, Assemblymember Catherine Baker, who's a Republican here in the Bay Area, supported the legislation, has endorsed the bond, as well as all the Democrats. We had unanimous support from every senator and assembly member here in the Bay Area. So in the Bay Area, there'll be to 21 and a quarter million dollars for something called the San Francisco Bay Conservancy Program. That's the program at the, the uh, Coastal Conservancy that funds projects specifically here in the Bay Area, park projects and coastal projects. Um, and so, it's a really important pot of money that land managers can go to and get grants to do particular things. There's 20 million dollars for San Francisco Bay restoration. Um, And you all may recall that last election, there was a big um, Measure AA that was passed that invests a lot of money in in restoring and protecting our beautiful San Francisco Bay, but that's not actually the whole price tag. And so there's some money in this bond that will importantly match that other money to leverage out that money voters have previously voted on in order to um, continue to protect our amazing San Francisco Bay. And then for some specific areas... There's three million for Los Gatos Creek and Upper Guadalupe River. There's three million for the Russian River. There's 14 million for specific climate climate adaptation and mitigation efforts, um, and then there's something called per capita. Statewide, there's 200 million dollars, uh, and what that means is every community gets some money from this bond for their priority park or land projects or open space projects. And it's called per capita because you figure out by population a percentage of this large $200 million pot of money. And it's great because Sometimes with these bonds, the big, sophisticated cities and counties that have a lot of staff and know how to work the government bureaucracy are the ones who get in there and get the money from these grant programs. But the little or or, or less resourced um, jurisdictions who just don't have the ability to go take the time to make these grant proposals, because there's a per capita allocation here, everybody gets money out of this. So, and in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. while it, we're in a wealthy area and a wealthy region here, there are absolutely pockets uh, that are park poor, that are low income, that really need investment. And so it's really important, and we have fought hard to make sure that this, park, this bond has an historic amount of money for park poor neighborhoods. There is $725 million for parks in park-poor neighborhoods throughout the state. I will say um, a lot of that money will end up going to L.A. and the Central Valley, not as much here in the Bay Area, but some will come to the Bay Area. Um, And so this is really a park and water bond bill for everybody. And you see endorsers ranging from – there's over 500 endorsers, probably 600 at this point around the state – Everything from environment and conservation organizations to chambers of commerce to labor organizations um, to Democratic Party and progressive and youth organizations. Um, you know, I, chambers of commerce. I think I said, but there's just there's a wide swath of society, Republicans and Democrats, who are supporting this thing because there's wide recognition we need this investment. So I've gone on a long time. You can hear my enthusiasm. I didn't even get around to talking about trails and greenways and state parks that desperately need investment will get money from this fund. So it's really important, and we'll see benefit in every community in the Bay Area.
4: I do hear your enthusiasm and I appreciate it because obviously California is such a beautiful place and it's such a, a large, uh, state with so many, you know, deserts and mountains and streams and rivers and snow. And, uh, I mean, we're so lucky to be in California and I think protecting our environment is definitely one of my personal priorities. Um, I want to ask a, a little more detail. You're talking about, um, these, uh, going into, Um, park poor neighborhoods so uh, and this per capita investment so would that actually go to already identified communities or is that going to be distributed by to uh, townships or counties or is it per uh, voting district how is that actually uh, what, what what is written into it for that
5: well, of course, the answer is not simple. <laughs> <It> <laughs> neither,
4: is. neither was the question. I, yeah,
5: well, you know, it's, in, in, it's not any one jurisdiction. If, if you look at counties and sort of how water districts are broken out or how different open space districts or park districts are broken out, um, it's, it's uh, different, juris, different agencies or jurisdictions within each county. Um, but what you you are can be and and this it's not it's not a new definition under this proposition. it's kind of the same formulation that we've seen in previous park bonds so um, you know I've been talked we I've talked to water districts and county boards of supervisors and you know um, other kinds of utility districts and there's money for lots of these kinds of jurisdictions because you know there's money in here for water and so some of that money will be allocated through water districts there's money in here for parks and so some of the money will be allocated mm. through parks or open space districts okay. or allocated by boards of supervisors so it again this park bond really gets money kind of, down into the interstices is the way I like to say it. It gets it down to the communities and to those local managers uh, who really understand what their highest needs might be. And it's not always like the flashiest thing in the world. You know, maybe there's a, a... a bathroom in a public park that's been broken that needs to be fixed, or a fence that, you know, is a dangerous thing for kids, or maybe it's a, you know, a trail we've been waiting to build, or maybe it's a little bit of land to add on to a particular area that'll really increase, you know, the resilience of a habitat. So it's it's the good news, actually. It's, it's not one size fits all. It, it really is um, varied, and that gets the money down to where it needs to go.
4: Understood. Thank you. You did um, make that Very complicated answer. Rather palatable actually. Um, So um, how did this measure get on to the ballot? What was the coalition like who put this together?
5: It was a coalition of the willing. Um, we um, again, in in, I'm part of you know the the community, the, the wonderful and large community of of activists and organizations and agencies who work to steward and protect land um, throughout the state. And my organization focuses here in the Bay Area. And there was a recognition, again, looking at the pots of, of public funding that are available to support land conservation and stewardship around the state and seeing these really critical pots of money run dry um, since the economic, the last park bond was in 2006. And of course, in the economic downturn around 2008, 2009, um, you know, we all, it was very evident if you looked at state parks, how they just, you know, became starved for cash to the point where there is even talk about selling off particular state park units. In the environmental realm, um, the land sector really has been kind of late to begin to rebound in terms of resources from the economic downturn. And so um, we started lobbying about, well, some people have been working on this for maybe six or more years, a real intense um, effort started um, two legislative cycles ago. So I've been lobbying for three years to get this on the on the ballot. So, you know, there's two ways you can get something on the ballot in front of the voters. Um, one is you do the signature gathering, and we didn't go that route. We went through the legislature. And so we worked um, for about three years in the legislature, and we had some great leaders, um, both the assembly and the Senate side. And the first first round we didn't make it past the governor's desk, but the second time around we we made it through both houses and we got it signed by Governor Brown. So it took some time, but it also built a great coalition of folks who work on these issues throughout the state pulling together, hammering out how much money there'd be and how it would be allocated. And that dialogue has really built a very strong coalition that, by the way, is going to continue to work together after this election to continue to work on important measures to support land conservation and water conservation throughout the state. So it's been a really inf- great infrastructure building and organizing effort, as well as landing this bond, if we can pass it on Tuesday. Everybody go vote yes on Prop 68.
4: Yeah, that, and, and I love I love to hear that, too, because, I mean, not that the governor didn't sign it initially, but, you know, obviously there's details to be attended to there, but I I appreciate the concerted effort and and that was that was put into uh, crafting this legislation and now putting it in front of the voters who now have a choice um, to 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 vote for it um, to support the parks our waterways um, going you know throughout the state um, not not just major uh, spots as as you noted so of course there is there are folks out there who who look at it and say a four billion dollar bond oh my goodness that's so much more money that you know oh we're going to spend that much more money what do you say to folks who, who uh, react that way
5: well it is a lot of money it's a lot more than I have in my bank account I'll sure. tell you that <laughs> there is a way to in general in general there's a way to think about bonds and it's very personal um, in our lives Um, There are small things that we buy that we pay for with our monthly paycheck. And so you pay for your groceries out of your monthly paycheck. You pay for your utilities out of your paycheck. Once in a while, you have to buy something really big, like your house, like maybe your car. And you don't have that kind of cash hanging around. So what do you do? You take out a loan. And then you make payments over time. And that's how you get something that's really big but really important and really valuable. That's the difference between regular annual tax revenue and a bond. Your annual tax payments, the annual tax payments that go to the government that then pays for things every year that are in the regular budget of the government, that's like your regular paycheck as a hum- as a regular person. But sometimes you need to go buy big things like, you know, build a bridge or like, you know, build a new park or like, you know, build a new trail network or do you know, do big things. And those big investments you just can't do through regular tax dollars. So you do the same thing as taking out a mortgage, except it's called a bond in this case. And you take out a loan and you pay it back over time and that's how you make big important things happen. So I think people I think in that very practical sense, I think it's easy to recognize sometimes this is a tool that you should utilize. And I think we haven't asked too often for these park bonds. It's been 16 years and we're out of money. So it's time to take out that mortgage. It's time to take out that bond so we can get some big stuff done. Um, You know, and again, I think it's really important for voters to just think about the role of bonds and the role of taxes and what we want to see in society and recognize don't just don't just push away the idea of bonds ever. Be thoughtful about it. And I would say that this is a really a really practical investment and a timely investment.
4: Well, I appreciate that explanation and uh, framing it in such a context. And I hope people listen to the pragmatism behind that and see that you know, bonds, it like like getting a loan or using a credit card, you have to make smart decisions. Um, you know, you're not going to use your credit card to go out on the town for a night unless you can uh, pay it off, you know, within the month. Uh, but thinking about things that are very important, those bigger those bigger projects and the things that benefit us here as a society. And not just the people, but the environment and the animals and the whole ecosystem that um this planet supports and we want to continue to support the planet. So uh, Deb Callahan, thank you so much for calling in uh, to tell us about Prop 68 and share your enthusiasm. And um, I, I do hope that people do vote yes on Prop 68 personally. Um, and uh, I thank you so much and I hope we can continue this conversation another time and uh, see, see where we can take it from next.
5: All right. Onward to Tuesday. Thank you so much for your time.
4: I am grateful for yours and (laughs) everyone who's worked on this bond uh, measure (laughs) (laughs) on this legislation. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alright, you are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco's Mission District. I'm Global Val, and it is election season, so I'm going to play a little music for you, and I'll be right back with my second guest, uh, yet another mayoral candidate, Michelle Bravo, who has come in to talk about why she has thrown her hat in the ring in this uh, uh, wide-open mayor's race. Here's a little music from Rasteria. Bread listening to Mutiny Radio.fm. i'm global val the show is women's magazine and i also want to encourage you as well to listen to my colleagues over at kpfa women's magazine theirs over there uh, 94.1 fm every monday afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m and i'm here every friday in the out in my little outpost in the mission district here at mutiny radio and certainly happy to be able to be here it's election season so here we are yet again um and I'm happy to welcome the, my fourth mayoral candidate guest this year um Michelle Bravo Hi there how are you Really good welcome to Women's Magazine Thank you so much I'm very grateful to be here I'm I'm happy you're here today too um you know I feel like in San Francisco all all voices are are you know warrant um the, you know the time to kind of discuss Um, you know, the the passion or the insight behind a candidate who jumps into the ring, who's not an established political uh, personage in in any sort of uh, institutional sense. So, so much. Um, But Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, a little bit about your background.
2: Sure. So again, my name is Michelle Bravo. I'm running for San Francisco mayor this special election, 2018. I am a military veteran of the United States Marine Corps. I am a small business and homeowner here in San Francisco. Uh, I decided to run because, you know, I took a look around one day and was like, golly, I'm looking at the streets, I'm looking at the sidewalks, and there seems to be a lot more human feces instead of dog feces. So I'm like, what, what, what is up with that? And just some other things. Uh, clients telling me they're afraid to ride Muni uh, because uh, the folks who I don't, I prefer to call folks who are on our streets. Um, there's an 80s term from the 1980s when I was in you know, high school uh, called street people or uh, transients. To say, hey, you know what? You're homeless. How does that feel? It doesn't feel very nice, does it? And it's a judgment, if you think about the word itself. So to say someone is transient is actually reflective of not just our community on the street, but people who are in the tech industry as well. Most of them don't call San Francisco home. It's a transient sort of life that they lead as well. Uh, In terms of... Anything else, you know, I rode my 1980s Honda <laughs> Elite 250 to get here and grab parking right in front, so I'm grateful for that today. I'm a holistic health practitioner uh, over at the 450 Sutter Building, been in practice for about 13 years. I do aromatherapy, do my own uh, lifestyle coaching called the Body Astrology, trademarked last year, and I do yas lymphatic massage, which I trademarked in 2006. So again,
4: very happy to be here. Well, I'm happy you're here too. So, um, I know that you're a, an entrepreneur. You have your own business um, and different different uh, branches of, of of that business that that you operate. And so, um, what is the the one of the political? kind of uh, things that kind of lit the fire under you to get involved locally was the issue around tasers. Absolutely. Can you talk about that, please? Love
2: to. So last year, uh, 48 Hills, I read uh, 48 Hills regularly, I'd say, if not almost daily. And I happened upon an article that said something along the lines of, uh, what was it? Devious plan by Supervisor Safi to oust the best San Francisco Police Commissioner and that police commissioner is Petra De Jesus. So you all can look that up online it's still on there. And what this was about was supervisor Safai and London Breed as well as a few other conservative supervisors looking to oust Petra De Jesus because she has been outspoken about taser weapons from her beginnings she still is. And she's actually one of the last super excuse me police commissioners who is left on the board who still is actively against taser weapons. Here was the thing that got me, though. Supervisor Safai was pushing to put a woman by the name of Olga Miranda, a woman who is a resident of Albany, California, to put her in place of Petra de Jesus. Now, Miss Miranda would need to be a resident of San Francisco she filed within a week or two, stating that she was. Hmm. Okay, I read all this in 48 Hills, mind you. And, you know, she was living actually with a, she's a union head, or at least was, and supported Sophia's campaign for its supervisor. So they had that relationship. And uh, she was living, or excuse me, purportedly, two weeks before when she applied for the commission position, the San Francisco Police Commission position to try to oust Petro de Jesus, Purportedly living uh, in San Francisco, but it was actually one of her members' address, not her own. She was still a homeowner in Albany, and her kids registered to go to school there, Mm -hmm. not a resident. And you need to be a San Francisco resident to sit on our San Francisco Police Commissioner board. So that got me like, okay, why is no one paying attention? Where are the protests? I'm like, where the heck is everyone? So I show up for this thing. And you can see it online, happy to send you the links or whatever. There wasn't a soul there. I think I was one of maybe four or five people, but Olga Miranda was sure there, as was a couple of other people's. And, and you know, I, sp- I spoke out and I said, I don't think it's a good idea. And I was nervous as heck, and <laughs> never gone and spoke out in front of a police commission. But I was worried. Um, I know what tasers can do. There's a, a documentary uh, called Killing Them Safely. If you have Netflix, you can watch it there. Yeah. Very disturbing. Uh, And so just wanted to speak out and say, look, I see what you're doing. And there might not be a lot of other people speaking up about it, but I am. And I'm watching. And I'm against tasers. Thank you. So that's what got me started on this, uh, was the taser weapon piece. And actually, I don't know if you've noticed all the drama with that, even during this campaign. It's been pretty
4: spectacular. It is pretty spectacular. Um, We have Proposition H on the San Francisco ballot, which... um who's the language of which um, is kind of it's, it's actually very confusing and it's misleading more than anything.
2: It's misleading, it's misleading. Absolutely misleading. And uh, Martin Halloran, who I've, I've had a beef with him since last year as well. Martin Halloran is one of those individuals who I am glad decided to step down. He needed to go a long time ago. He has created an acrimonious, non-working relationship with our supervisors for a number of years since he's been in, and that doesn't work. And he's he's been part of the Police Officers Association. He is the he was the he is now the former president of the San Francisco Police Officers Association. Right. Uh, so I know this. <laughs> when Proposition H came about, I had. Um, Yeah, I had actually, I couldn't believe it. So I was the only mayoral candidate who actually went to that police commissioner meeting that was talking about taser policy. Um, Just to kind of jog everyone's memory, latter part of last year, um, the late Mayor Ed Lee, our interim Mayor Farrell, were all uh, on a little, you know, uh, vacation kind of trip that City Hall funds were paying for during the time that everyone was having the city, or excuse me, the town hall meetings on taser weapons with that new police chief, Bill Scott, last year. So they were they were gone for all that on a very important issue. So I, I noticed that too, and I've been posting that on my Twitter feed as I've been running for mayor. So um, a, a noted absence. No, very noted absence mm-hmm. with purpose and intent to not you know just to to miss it all together. And by the way, both of them are water signs. The late Ed Lee was a Scorpio, and our dear interim mayor Farrell is a Pisces. Go figure.
4: <laughs> yeah, and and um, so those, those hearings, and and then uh, there was a a larger um movement of a group that a group of people who who then kind of started to step in and and push against tasers being Thankfully. being used in San Francisco um, but then the police commission ended up voting to allow tasers to be used
2: yes and <laughs> they that, had a lot of pressure is my understanding and again I, I was um, I, it just is appalling. Last year, there is a, a gentleman by the name of Branch Roth who was actually killed by a taser weapon. We didn't hear much about it here in San Francisco. This is Sonoma County Police. It was the biggest lawsuit against the Sonoma County Police last. Uh, excuse me, it was uh, last year. Killed by taser weapon within two days after I spoke at the San Francisco Police Commission. Uh, he is the brother of the family of the, of the. So, Branch Roth was killed. His brother had and the family had sued Sonoma County police and won 1.25 million dollars because Branch Roth who died by police taser the brother uh, had been tased 30 times while in police custody didn't die so the family sued Family suing again as you can imagine since now the brother of the guy who won the 1.25 million dollars he's dead so we didn't hear much about that here though in San Francisco now did we so our, our news seems to be uh, being censored as well. Which, again, this is why I'm grateful to be here.
4: Yes, and I, I'm, I'm glad that we can we can uh, talk about this, and we definitely have you know like a a, a good. Few more minutes, so so just kind of to like sum up proposition H, uh, it is misleading. It makes it sound like people are voting on whether or not tasers should be used in San Francisco, but actually they've already been approved by the police commission. They have, unfortunately. This, yep. this is just a move from by the police officers' association, not to be confused, um, that wants to take all of the authority over the use of tasers under the police officers' association authority, as opposed to the police commission, which has been, despite approving the use of tasers. Um, last year working on uh, implementing what they're considering to be at least some sort of sound policy around it and taking Department of Justice, uh, Obama-Aero Department of Justice, Justice um, recommendations for the use of them. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a huge debate about whether or not, you know, I mean, tasers are, have definitely obviously been proved to be deadly weapons as well.
2: They're another weapon. Oh, yeah. Another weapon we do, n- we do not need to put into the hands of 75%. My numbers have changed. I've been touting 70%, but it's actually closer to 75% of the San Francisco uh, police officers do not reside in san francisco now unlike boston boston actually requires their uh their municipal uh, municipal workers so it's police firefighters everyone who works for the city and gets a city paycheck mm-hmm. they are required to live in boston okay much bigger city i have been advocating that we require the sffd the sfpd i mean we have earthquakes here if they're not here we how are they going to get to us One, and two, um, you know, if they are not here, their kids don't go to school here. They have no connection whatsoever to the residents or the community. They don't drive on our streets. So, you know, it's just, it's a mess. And yes, absolutely. If I become San Francisco mayor, I would definitely mandate by 2025, hey, you know what? We need to have a minimum of 60% of these individuals living here. And if we need to do what we did for me, veterans benefits Give them some low interest home loans, work with the developers, get them here so that they are connected to the people. So if they decide, hey, I'm going to, before I take out this gun or this taser or whatever other weapon, if this is my neighbor, or this is a friend of a friend I know, because everybody knows everyone in San Francisco, it's still a very small town with less than a million people. That's very true. They're going to be less apt, potentially, to zap or kill one of their neighbors, especially if they know them or their kids go to school with the parents or whatever.
4: Right, it's not- on the street where their favorite deli is or something like yes, that, ma'am. right? They don't want to, yeah, stirring up trouble ab- abroad as opposed to uh, right at home, I think is a really good point. And I think we see that across the country right now with the increased police militarization um, and, and folks who might lose their job in one, in one county, one jurisdiction and go to a different state and somehow slip through the cracks and get hired again. That's correct. a bad cop. Um, not to, you know, we won't blanket them all. No, but, not at all. But in we fact, want to bring them into, we want them to be community yes, members, right? Yes. And, and and I like to use the term, remember we used to call them peace officers? That is exactly
2: what I agree with. Peace officers is what they are. Just like the military, it's to keep the peace. These folks carry weapons. It You have to be extraordinarily responsible to carry a weapon. It's a lot. I mean, when I was in the military myself, I carried a nine millimeter when I went on guard duty. We were issued an M16. We had to care for our weapon. Uh, a weapon, it's, it's not the weapon that is the issue. It is the people who are choosing, and that is choice, to use the weapon and on whom. It isn't the weapon itself. The weapon just didn't jump up and start shooting people. And if the individual, and I mentioned this earlier, is having mental issues, is having some other issues, maybe they didn't eat enough. Maybe they had, didn't have enough food, water, sleep, something. If they're commuting into San Francisco, the SFPD, if they're commuting into San Francisco, they might be tired. Maybe their kid threw up because they were sick and they had to stay up with them all last night. So they're grumpy. Sure. Tasers are lazy police weapons. Mm. They're for lazy cops. Because why? Because they're going to be tired when they get into our town, coming from Antioch or Concord or Novato, and they're guessing, I, I got to get back to my kid. Well, who wouldn't? We understand you have a family. So bring your family here to live, and we're going to require you here to live. Because that's what Michelle Bravo would do, is mandate that all SFPD and all SFFD live in San Francisco and serve the community that pays their paychecks.
4: Well, Michelle Bravo... Bravo! Um, thank you for coming in to to Women's Magazine today um, and bringing your passion around this issue. And I appreciate that you have that you can um, having your mil- military background um, and also seeing the the um, misuse of weapons, uh, the wastefulness of. Of time and weapons and human resources. Um, I, I, I really do appreciate that, that, that broader view. And I'm glad that you entered this race to bring those important issues to this uh, citywide conversation.
2: So my Twitter feed is at, so the uh, symbol at F-O-R-S-F Mayor. Michelle Bravo. If you want to see my Twitter feeds and you have any questions about Proposition H, I am absolutely against Proposition H. No on Proposition H, please feel free to bump me on Twitter and I'll be happy to tell you anything you want to know. Or even my website. It's Michelle Bravo.org.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, folks. It's it's good to be here at Mutiny Radio where we can, uh, where we have this uh, community platform of free speech, which we all aim to protect, free speech, the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, um, and uh, spread it around the planet and certainly around San Francisco. A lot of folks are tuning in because Mutiny Radio is getting uh, people's voices in here who aren't necessarily heard in places like the Chronicle.
2: Uh, <laughs> or the Comical, right? <laughs> I,
4: I, I really only read the comics in the Chronicle sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I love, you know, you gotta love Snoopy. I'm not a fan of the San Francisco Chronicle, and I'll go on record saying
2: that. <laughs> I, I am very much a fan of 48 Hills. Love it. And I'm grateful that we have these new sources that are still telling the truth.
4: Absolutely. And, and Tim Redmond, um, being the, the founder of 48 Hills, who was the uh, editor in chief of the SF Bay Guardian. Yay. So um, thank you, Tim Redmond, for, for all of your work in the community as a, as a journalist all these years. Thank you, Tim Redmond. So you are listening to Mutiny Radio here, Women's Magazine. I'm going to play a little more music for you. I'm going to come back in just about two short minutes because there's I have a few announcements to make, and um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on this weekend. And also be sure to stay tuned for the Common Thread Collective. We're going to have three of the candidates who are running against Nancy Pelosi for the seat in the House of Representatives representing San Francisco's District 12. So a lot of stuff going on here at Mutiny Radio today and around the city peace. All right, here's some more music for you. For listening to Women's Magazine here, I'm Global Val, and I want to thank both of my guests today: Deb Callahan, who called in to talk about Proposition sixty-eight on the California ballot, and also Michelle Bravo, a candidate for mayor here in San Francisco. And um, I've got a few announcements to make, um, and I'm going to make them relatively quickly. I hope a couple announcements and a couple of events. Um, let's let's start with the announcements. Um, so. Th- Letters of support are needed in regards to preserving the West Berkeley Shell Mound. A decision regarding a proposed development on the site at 1900 4th Street in Berkeley is expected by June 5th. Haha, like Election Day. Uh, The West Berkeley Shell Mound is a 4,700-year-old ceremonial site for the Ohlone people and is listed on the California Registry of Historic Places and is a Berkeley historical landmark, um, both of which should protect it under law. Um, but it has been a struggle all the way to try to stop the demolition of the site by a private developer, um, to the Ohlone people it would be the equivalent of tearing down Grace Cathedral or digging up Arlington National Cemetery. Um, so there's been a huge community movement to try to preserve, um, the West Berkeley shell mound and also to responsibly develop it with the input of the local indigenous Ohlone peoples, um, I've been here for thousands of years um, so if you would like to write a letter of support um, to try to preserve the West Berkeley Shell mound uh, you can look at you can check out the website sacredland dot org um, Idle no more Bay Area is deeply involved in this. Um, you can also send your emails to the city manager of Berkeley manager at city um, or the director of planning department. That's Tim Burroughs T Burroughs at city or to the city attorney attorney at city and uh, help support um, the preservation of the, of this uh, very important ceremonial uh, site for the indigenous people of the Bay area and California. Um, so that is my big announcement. I hope you get out there and support. Uh, yeah, go check in with Idle No More Bay Area and they'll get you all the info you need. Um, a couple of announcements of events coming up this weekend. So today is Friday, June 1st. Uh, tomorrow is Friday, Saturday, June 2nd. MAP, uh, Mission Arts and Performance Project, a uh, free um, bi-monthly community event where spaces are transformed into performance spaces. Venues for one night of free um, community-based art. So check out Map. That's M A P P S F dot com, or check out their Facebook page, Mission Arts and Performance Project. Also, um, speaking of Berkeley, there's a Berkeley World Music Festival this weekend. Um, it's starting today, and it's all free. And Sunday Streets is happening. So uh, in the, if you're over there in the East Bay, check out uh, Berkeley World Music Festival. It's B W M. Berkeley world music fest.org. Also um, this weekend tomorrow at the Fort Mason at Fort Mason in building C at the Museo uh, Italiano Italo Americano pardon me. Um, there's going to be the Fiere di Sapori. It's an Italian gourmet food fair. It's all day. It's from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's free to attend. It's going to be food and wine and tastings and cooking demonstrations and one of the reasons I bring it up is because our wonderful poetess here in San Francisco Jennifer Barone is going to be reading from her book Saporoso at five o'clock and um you probably should go um and uh And listen to her read her delicious um, poems of Italian food and love. Uh, So Jennifer Barone, who is the hostess of The Word Party every third Tuesday. It's a poetry open mic at Piano Fight in the Tenderloin. um, And there's a little hot jazz band led by Daniel Hefez, where you can get up and read your poem with a jazz band behind you. It's pretty fucking cool. Pardon me. Well, it's free speech. Sorry. So anyhow, go listen to Jennifer Brown's uh, poetry at Fort Mason tomorrow at five o'clock it's free and will be you'll be surrounded by delicious Italian food so I usually read a poem at the end of the show so today I'd like to read a poem by Jennifer Barone from her book Zaporoso um, which was just re-released by Feather Press which is an independent literary press dedicated to publishing the poetry and prose of female writers uh, they aim to create a thriving and supportive community through special events and workshops check out featherpress.org this is is a poem from Jennifer Burone's book Saporoso. Um, and every title of each poem is something about uh, food. And this one is called Luovo, which is the egg. <clears throat> Once violently freed from fragile shells with a quick thrust of fingers against the side of my bowl. Two burning suns wobble in the membrane of their own universe. Crack, crack. Every new beginning is thrust upon us. I admire amorphous ovals, how the information of a young chick lives inside its jelly. How at some moment this bright blob can turn into feathers. The promise of possibility gets whisked away inside the womb of my bowl. And inside everyone, amoebas of anticipation, seeds that could spring another living being, curious cells adrift in the waters of the body that might somehow, with the fusion of love, believe they could fly. That's Jennifer Barone's words, not mine, but I'm Global Val and I say plenty. So thank you for tuning in to listen to Women's Magazine today. Global Val's election season coverage 2018 can be found on my website which is globalval.blogspot.com and all the links to the various interviews I've conducted here on Women's Magazine and also with Diamond Dave on the Common Thread Collective of all of the various candidates um, for mayor, for U.S. Congress, for governor, for, uh, and and, uh, we've talked to people about um, voting rights and all sorts of stuff. I, I can't even, just check out the link it's all on there. You can click around and you see, uh, the whole list of of things that we've been talking about because we care. I'm global Val. And remember just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like, you know what? I'm going to run for mayor because I think it's important to bring certain things into this conversation. Well, you know what? Inspiration is contagious. Peace. Thank you. Vote. Get out there. And, um, stay tuned. Like I said, Common Thread Collective is coming up next. We are going to have a forum here with candidates who are running for the House of Representatives to challenge in the incumbent Nancy Pelosi for District 12 here in San Francisco. It's going to get interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. So again, uh, thanks for being part of the co- of the, uh, the community of Mutiny Radio. We also have a Mutiny Radio summer fundraiser. If you go to GoFundMe, um. And uh, search for Mutiny Radio Summer Fundraiser 2018. We'd really appreciate your support. We're just a little community radio station over here paying our dues and keeping the lights on. So uh, please consider helping us out. All right. Peace, y'all. Stay tuned. And with this spark
3: in my hand, I will stand in the circle with the circle in me. I will stand. I will stand. I will stand in myself when I'm not feeling strong. I will stand. I will stand. I will tear down the walls and sing a freedom song. I will.